The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the commentary booth where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Apps and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Yellowstone, which is set to end this year. Welcome to the show, Blake Robinson. Hmm. Hmm. She's uh, flags at half-mast this week, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I saw that come through and I was like, oh no, Blake and my mom are going to be devastated. Yeah, look, so for those wondering, um, season five Yellowstone has been on a mid-season hiatus for some time and there's been speculation, rumours around Kevin Costner, the show's lead, um, having drama with the producers and wanting to leave and whatnot. And we got confirmation this week that he's out, gone. And the show is going to end with season five, which is tragic to say the least. Uh, but they are going to finish season five, which I'm led to believe is out in November, which seems like a long time away, but worth the wait. But it's not all doom and gloom for Yellowstone fans. We still have at least another two prequels set in the 40s and set in the 60s. Um, then there's still the heavily rumored Matthew McConaughey starred sequel series that's going to come out that could be interesting yeah very good and there's also the um four sixes ranch spin-off that's still in the works so uh the yellowstone multiverse universe is thriving without yellowstone yeah it's not all doom and gloom but um good things don't last forever i'm glad they're not just like trying to recast the kevin costner yeah. character and yep, yep yep keep the show going without him in there it would feel very weird I'm interested to see how they kill him off. I don't think it's going to be hard considering he's survived some turmoil <laughs> this far. If they do, they might not if it's just going to end after this season anyway. True, true, true. But yeah, interested to see um, how they take it. So they've got half a season to end the show that wasn't meant to end for another few seasons. All faith in Taylor Sheridan's hands. It's also a good thing that they're not trying to continue it at the moment anyway with the... The writer's strike going on, I could see that mm. show quickly going downhill if that was the case. They had to continue writing. Along with everything else. Do you remember the last writer's strike? Um, I think so. And how shit TV got for a little while there? Yeah, it was TV that really copped it, didn't it? Yeah, because yeah, mu- movies are kind of written years out, whereas TV shows are sort of year by year on the fly. Was it Kimmel or Fallon? Might have been Kimmel come out and said that he would be absolutely, he'll be done, like his show would finish there and then. Yeah, well, I think a lot of them have just yet shutting down until after the strike because half of their show is writers writing jokes on the day of the show. Uh, but I haven't really heard anything more recent in the past week or so. It's just sort of simmering. Been no progress so far, but I remember Lost went to shit. Prison Break went terrible. They were like the two main shows that I remember just... Have you watched Prison Break? Yeah. Um, so, 
quick story. I, um, I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, but I've um, been watching Lost lately. I started from the start, never watched it before. Um, I smashed out the first season in two days. A good season, yeah. So out of, is that is that the only, because I've just started season two. From memories, season one and two were good. Then mm. the writer's strike hit and season three, <sighs> the shit just so goes relevant. off the rails because they don't have that guiding force from the first two seasons like, True. This is where we're trying to get to. I have they were kind of just like falls off a bit. Bringing in new writers, being like, okay, so this is what we've done. How can we just kind of get through this season so that, and when the writers come back, we can continue. And it's just like all the stuff they wrote for that third season gets like way off track of where they were supposed to be going. So it's like we're supposed to go this way, and we went left. Bro, the end of the season one, it got way off track. I'm like, this is going to be full on. Like the end of season one, it started to get really deep. I was like, where's this going? But back on Prison Break, I um, heard on the grapevine yesterday that season one is exceptional and you can mm-hmm. get away with just watching season one. Mm-hmm. So look, I'm going to do that next. When I finish Emily in Paris, which I just started watching 20 minutes ago. <laughs> you and your weird shows. So that's exciting. You're forever shocking me with the shows you watch. I'm three minutes 20 in. I've paused it. So I've season one, episode one, three minutes I've watched of it. Basically what you're telling me is, come on, let's get going. I want to get to my, get back to my show. Let's wrap this up because I have to watch Emily in Paris. So yeah, this week we're reviewing a new Russell Crowe-led thriller horror movie, the 2023 supernatural horror film directed by Julian Avery called The Pope's Exorcist, which mm. is based on a book, or actually two books. Firstly, the 1990 book, An Exorcist Tells His Story, and the 1992 book, An Exorcist, More Stories, both by Father Gabriel Amort, which is the lead character in this movie, as we follow Gabriel, who is the Vatican's leading exorcist, as he investigates the possession of a young child, and in doing so, uncovers a conspiracy that the Vatican had tried to keep under wraps for centuries. Before we sort of dive into breaking it down on a top level, what did you think of this movie? Um, I've got a bit to say about this movie, Jamie. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> um, look, it wasn't groundbreaking. And to be raw, I feel like if you've seen one movie about like an exorcist or an exorcism, you've seen them all. And I cannot believe they get away of continuing to make them. They're all the same. Yeah. You just, there's just different sort of storylines, but it's all comes full circle. It's all the same. Um, I'm glad Russell Crowe was in this. Know that. Uh, that's what got me through it. Uh, it was just weird, man. It was cheesy. It was like they were trying to be a bit scary, but they were, then they were trying to be funny. But then they were like trying to play the religious side. I just, just too many different points they were trying to meet in the middle with, and it was just a bit of a mess. And yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. If you've seen The Exorcist, that's probably... That's the pinnacle exorcism movie. That is the peak. That's all you need to see. Watching this, I felt like they were even trying to like mimic parts of that movie. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't, I was trying to gauge what sort of vibe this movie was, like if it was meant to be scary or not, but it just, it was one of them ones where it was just, it was comical. Like you know, just laugh like, what is this? They didn't really have jump scares or anything like that. It was just like. There was none of that. It was just, yeah, trying to show you weird, creepy stuff. Normally these movies, you got to leave a trail of lights on when you go to bed that night. But when I got into bed, I was in bed for about 15 minutes and I, com- I was completely forgot I watched that movie. <laughs> I remembered once I was in bed, I was like, oh, I watched that 
supposedly scary movie. I completely forgot about it. So I didn't really leave an impact on that front. Which is, yeah, maybe not the most glowing review in that case. Yeah, what do we think of Russell Crowe, though? Like, I, um, as a whole, I like he's been in some movies lately. He's been getting a run again because I think he just really fell into that South Sydney till I die mentality for a while. He wasn't really doing too much, and I think... That was after the whole throwing the phone incident. Yeah, from my view, I just feel like he sort of lost a bit of credibility in Hollywood and sort of forgotten about, but he's done a few things now, and it feels like he could be back in rotation. Mm -hmm. And he now is leading that uh, big new production studio on, yeah, the, the North Coast somewhere, so... Yeah, um, yeah, exciting. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought his performance was good apart from the accent. Uh, yeah, I was, um, it was meant to be Italian, yeah? Yeah, it was the most like, it's a me, Mario accent. Yeah, it's, it was, that's what, like, that whole, the fact that Russell Crowe was like this, playing this Italian priest really threw me off, like, took the seriousness of the film away. I'm like, oh, this is pretty funny stuff <laughs> like the, i'm not taking this seriously and the fact that he's riding this little vespa around that those scenes where you see him riding on this little vespa i'm like oh my god okay this went from a scary intense movie to a joke bruh i was like did he just ride that vespa from italy to spain yes yes he did <laughs> with like a suitcase on the back of his fedora oh, i was like oh my god did that just happen <laughs> Uh, then he rode it back after getting absolutely hammered by these demons. Like the opening s sequence, that sets up the tone of this is going to be an intense in-your-face movie. And then like two seconds later, yeah. you just see Russell Crowe like beep, 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 on a little vest from like, oh my. Ferrari-branded Vespa thing. Dead. This is dumb. Yeah. I just did that. And the whole film was just predictable, I felt. You just knew. Because like I said, you've seen one film about exorisms. You've seen them all, and you just know what's going to happen next. And then the rest of the cast was kind of just like, eh, whatever. Whoever they were. I thought Ralph Innocent as the voice of the demon was really cool, but again... Oh, that did not sit well with me. Like, this little kid and this... I swear the accent changed all the time. It was like this pommy, and it was horrible. Yeah, but I guess that's kind of what the demon's supposed to do. It's meant to, like, play on, do you know who I am? I wish it was like a little Italian demon or something. A little Italian nonna demon or Spanish nonna. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they're in Spain. Why wasn't it Spanish? I don't know. It's a demon. It can do whatever it wants. Yeah, it can do whatever damn hell it wants. Um, and then, yeah, everyone else kind of, yeah, whatever. Funny little fact I learnt in preparing for this, though. Alex Essie, who plays the mother, Julia, mm. is actually only 11 years older than her on-screen daughter, Laurel Marsden. Shit. <laughs> so um, that was a bit She funny. reminded me of that chick from Friends. What's her name? I'll get attacked for this. Very obvious. Rattle off some people in Friends. Courtney Cox. Yeah, Courtney Cox. She's like a not quite Courtney Cox, Courtney Cox. As, you, as That's the kind of people you get in these films. Like You never heard anyone before no. except like the lead, which you got Russell Crowe. I was reading through the like cast list. I was like, I don't know any of these people other than Russell. Mm -mm. And nope. the budget was only $18 million. So, Oh, they would have changed. Yeah. I think probably eight, $8 million of that went to Russell. And then the other $10 million went to the like CG moments. And three and a half grand of that was for his little Vespa. Although, to be fair, they probably didn't pay for that. Ferrari probably paid them for that. Oh, oh yeah. That's branded. That's branded. Yeah, that was brand um, placement. 
sort of one of those ones where it's like it's in cinemas like you'd be pretty pissed off if you pay money to go see this mm-hmm. you'd be like what the hell am i watching like why did i it's a walkout if this is a cinema walkout job i reckon yeah like you got places to be or it's getting late or a school night you're out of there because you know how it's gonna end definitely happy we watched it at home instead oh yeah even that was a stretch but you know what kept me through it the humor this is the humor like there was one particular joke and i know you picked up on it when the demon was with russell and they met for the first time they joked about the world cup did you pick up on that no oh jamie 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 let me try to find it i feel like i probably switched off like 10 minutes into this movie just like oh let's just run with it yeah phone scrolled no we're gonna have to watch it again now to pick up on that so yeah, like it cost them eighteen million dollars to make, but as of May seventh, they have grossed sixty six point three million dollars. So made over just over three and a half times their money. So I'm pretty sure they're happy with with the results. Um, so happy, in fact, that they have announced that a sequel is in early development, with Russell expected to come back and reprise his role. So this is it. Um, when he's like in bed meeting the demon for the first time, the demon says to Russell, "I am your nightmare." Then Russell's like, my nightmare is France winning the World Cup. That was it. Yeah, I thought that would, took the credibility away from everything, but it gave me a giggle. Yeah. yeah, but when you said they made money, mm-hmm. um, like the, I swear this is marketable. Like the branding looks legit. Like everything looks legit. I swear even watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this is, looks pretty legit. Like they got Russell on board. Yeah. Like this is heavy hitting. It looks like a modern day exorcist and then it's kind of just like, oh. Yeah, and the fact that it's out in the cinema, you're like, oh, this is legit. But it's not legit. Uh, yeah, I thought it was entertaining, but it was yeah, definitely still just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Look, you wouldn't be mad if you had nothing else to watch and it was on Netflix and you just put it on a Saturday night. You wouldn't mind that. But yeah, if you've gone and spent 20 or 30 bucks at the cinema, you're like, oh... Can I get can I get my twenty bucks back? So, well, this is something I wrote down while I was watching it, but I, I got answered towards the end. But before they discovered that like underground sort of Vatican cave of doom mm-hmm. under the house, I was questioning because it didn't really wasn't really clear. I was like, was the kid already possessed before he got to the house, or did the house make him possessed? No, I think early in the piece we see him like look through that hole. And, like, he then, like, opens up the hole in the wall. Like, there's a brick broken and he, like, pulls it out. The construction workers do that, don't they? Or is it the kid? Does the kid initially open the hole? I think they crack the brick and then he's walking around and, like, pulls it out and, like, touches something. And then that, that wakes it up. Uh, so they latched onto him. And it latched onto him because of all of the trauma that we find out later that he had. So Yeah, 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 which is very traumatic. It would have been horrific, the poor mm-hmm. kid. <laughs> they do show that, don't they? Very briefly. That is nasty. That's a pretty full-on moment. That's a poor wee lad there. I thought the location that they filmed in was cool. Like the... It was actually in Spain? No. I was wondering where it is. Yeah, I was like, this is Scotland yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like Scotland sure. or something. But um, This is in the countryside. This so-called centuries-old Italian church. I was, as soon as they walked in, I was like, no, thank you. I don't want to hang out here or live here. Yeah, then I don't know if this has been nitpicky, but not enough backstory, man. Like, I just didn't know enough about what was going on. I didn't know enough about why they were there. Like, then we quickly find out, oh, yeah, their dad died. And But why has he got, like, inherited this Spanish mansion? Like, is he just some Spanish god or something? 
Yeah, why does he have this centuries-old church in his family? But that's been nitpicky. Another issue I had to, in the opening sequence, when Russell performs the first exorcism and gets... Oh, and they shoot the pig. Yeah, he gets the demon to come out of a human being and go into a pig. Like, Yeah, I was a bit confused what was going on then. Why would an all-powerful demon do that? Why would it give up a human to take over a pig? Just to be like, see, I can do it. Yeah, um, but I think that that's a thing, though. They have to like, sacrifice a pig or whatever. I think I've seen it before. Yeah. When it happened, I was like, why would the demon do that? Just to be like, okay, yeah, look, I can do that. Yeah, I don't know. Then. Like, We get it. You're a powerful demon. You have possessed this poor woman. Or was that like one of, because we hear that the uh, um, priest talk about how a lot of his exorcisms aren't actually exorcisms. They're just giving people an, a reason to let go of something. So maybe that was what that was. Well, that's like the re- recurring storyline they touch back on when he there's that girl and she ends up killing herself. But and he misread her. She wasn't actually possessed. She was just like mentally deranged. Yeah, because she was sexually abused by priests. And he was like he regrets because he was trying to perform these procedures on her when she wasn't actually. Yeah, all he all he had to do was actually like help her and give her support. Yeah. Which, oh, that, that is why one thing about this film that I thought was pretty cool and pretty legit, that that kept coming back to haunt him and they kept touching back on that and they made that little storyline pretty clear and that was cool. And the same for the other priests, but I think they should have gone into that more because when they're underground, remember when they, that coffin falls down and that bloody, blood-covered woman comes out of it? Mm. And I'm, I can only assume that's the girl that he sexually assaulted is that what they were getting at or something like they really only touch on that but why is she covered in blood did he kill her so they didn't really make that storyline clear when they could have but i did like the like apprenticeship sort of vibe they gave him Mm -hmm. and they like honed his craft for russell i thought that was pretty cool yeah like we said i understand that the kid was traumatized after seeing his dad get impaled but yeah i liked how they kept bringing up that Yes, there is some sort of credibility and believability to the idea of possession, mm. but a lot of the time it isn't actually like a religious or spiritual thing. A lot of the time it is just people dealing with traumas and yeah. issues, and sometimes we just need to support these people. That, I thought that was really an interesting twist on the idea. I'd love to know if it's real, like this sort of stuff. Something else that really grossed me out was when the kid that was possessed, coughed up the... Uh, the bird? The baby bird. I was like, oh, that is so gross. Well, did that gross you out? Or did when the mentally unstable girl bite the head off the bird, did that gross you out? That same bird. Did you remember that same when she was like kneeling on the bed and she bit the head off the bird? Yeah, that's a... What significance does that red bird have? What is it? What was it a cardinal or something? Yeah, probably. See, just too many loose ends. Too, much, too many little... Easter eggs or storylines that we don't know enough about. Short movie too. Seeing someone bite the head off an animal doesn't like gross me out as much after seeing um what's his name old bloke. I fully know what you're talking about. Yeah, the singer. What's his name? Um, Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off a bat. Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off a bat that he thought was a a plastic bat. That was gross. Yeah, that ain't Hollywood. That's real life. <laughs> Ozzy would do that. <laughs> that old bloke. <laughs> Have you seen him recently? He's ancient. Yeah, that, that he's lucky to be alive, really. Yeah, he's for more reasons than one. He's done some things. But that is not actually what I was thinking about. I was thinking about something out of a movie. But that ain't a movie. No, that's that's real life. He thought he was biting the head off a plastic bat and it was a real bat. 
Oh, speaking of Aussie, he, remember that scene out of The Dirt, the Motley Crue movie, where he um, like snorts that line of ants? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a story about that, how it's like legit. Yep. What a man. What a man. In terms of like the way they portray the exorcism in this, I thought it was pretty well done. It was kind of... Pretty legit. Like I said, a modern twist on mm. the Exorcist movie. Like we had all the... It was playing on the tropes and expected moments from what people would remember from that movie with the demon, like with the crazy foul language coming out of a child's mouth. So, whoa. Oh, yeah, that's actually another thing that threw me off. Like the, the unnecessary like swearing is another thing that made this hook the seriousness out of this movie, made it very comical. But that's something that we get in The Exorcist too. Like mm. we get this young girl in that movie dropping sea bombs and stuff. You're like, holy Jesus. Did you notice the transition of the kid as he was deteriorating the longer he was possessed, it no longer became the actor, it became like a CGI? You know when he was like right at the end, like he was like really frail and skinny and his face is all messed up? Mm. Yeah, that was, um, it turned into like a little CGI character. I imagine it was probably still the actor, they just like did a whole heap of like VFX on it to make him look all withdrawn and like he hadn't been eating for weeks. And I thought the makeup in those moments was really well done as well. Like he did look gross. Yeah. Like his like his body was rotting from the inside out while he was still alive. Yeah, they did. They did try to make it a bit scary, I guess, by like having the carvings on his stomach and the chest and that. But that was one part that I thought looked shit. Yeah, that was tacky. That didn't look good. Tacky things in this. It didn't look like if they were cuts, but they also didn't really look like burns. It was just weird. Tell a lie. One moment that I was like, oh, this is going to be scary. Is at the start when they first get in the house and the girl is, what's she doing? Like brushing her teeth or something. And it, t- it pans around and there's like that mask, that face in the glass of the door of a bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh boy. But then it turns out it's just her brother with a mask on. Yeah. It was just teasing. Yeah. It was a tease because it definitely didn't get that scary. And then, yeah, we mentioned during the exorcism, they, the demon brings up the Spanish priest's past of seemingly sexually abusing mm-hmm. parishioners from his church and mm-hmm. get the visions from the past. And we also get a nice little Mike Tyson moment too, where the demon bites the priest's ear off. I was like, oh. Oh, he bites the ear off. Yeah, he bites it. Which miraculously heals back to perfection by the time they get back to the Vatican, mind you. I was taking notice of that. I didn't notice that, but that's funny. Back when they, him and Russell returned to that doctor. Well, he wasn't a doctor, obviously. Like a priest, I don't know. Oh, yeah, the cardinal. Yeah, he had perfect ears. Perfect ears. I didn't notice that, but that's funny because they probably filmed that first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty hectic. And in, um, he didn't really do much about that ear ripping off. I can only imagine just... that would piss out <laughs> relentlessly with blood. Yeah, then he's, ah. then he's just walking around with half an ear. Yep. Yeah, well, you mentioned flashbacks, but they had some like war flashbacks too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it keeps bringing up a Mort's past, Russell Crowe's past, and like the demon was trying to play into the Russell Crowe character's um, cowardice, war demons essentially, and feed off that. And I think that's what he ended up doing. Yep, war trauma. The demon has some pretty crazy powers in this, like very powerful demon, bringing up those repressed memories. It's also attacking family members throughout the mm-hmm. abbey while they're trying to perform the exorcism. Like it, the sister gets attacked in the closet and then... Multiple people at once. And the mum got pulled into the bed. The mum getting swallowed by the bed looked awesome. Yeah, that was cool. I, I, I just, you know what I pictured? Like when you go to a hotel and you get like a... Those two single beds pushed together? Yeah, they call it like a double bed or like a... I don't know what they call it. 
I mean, I don't know how they get away of doing it, but it's like two single beds together. That was that. I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if that's how they filmed it. <laughs> they put the two hotel singles together, and then yeah, slowly moved them apart and pushed them back. Yeah, that was funny. But um, did you did you get um vibes of a like a sequel or more towards the end when they said, well, they defeated this demon, but there's still 199 more out there in different parts of the world. You've brought up the biggest gripe I have with this whole movie. So they they have that scene where they're talking to the the bishop or the cardinal or whatever he is about. Yes, we did. We completed the exorcism at this location with this crazy powerful demon we learned that uh, satan is using these 200 locations where god is not welcome to try and build an army of demons to take over the world and at that point they're like okay so we've still got they go we've still got work to do which makes me think okay cool they're gonna do make this into a series of sequels and we're gonna go all over the world like encountering different demons but then a matter of seconds later we get a flash screen of like Here's Vatican City with text over it going. And Gabriel Lamort went on to write more books and keep working for X amount of years. And I was like, oh, yeah, then they close it. Yeah. So we just killed off any potential for sequels. Uh, actually, now that you mention that, you know my favorite part of this movie? And I thought it was a nice touch and it was definitely intentional. The final scene, Russell Crowe walking away with the Coliseum behind him. A little homage to Gladiator for sure. For sure. I was like, that is cool. I was like, yeah, that was like a nice little uh, little folding of the book, closing of the book for the movie for me. Did it justice. I was like, ah, I'm glad that happened. It was just the text over that, that scene. I was just like, yeah. Fucking ruined it. And that was it. I was, and you know, normally when they do that, there's normally a little bit more information. That was it. They just, yeah, they were just like, oh, yeah, he kept working until his death. I was like, great. So we've just killed off any potential for sequels. After giving us. Like teasing us for sequels. Yeah, yeah. And then researching for this, like, oh, no, we're, we're working on a sequel. And I was like, ow. So they are. I thought you said that. But they basically were just like, no, nah, he just kept working until he died. So, Well, obviously Russell Crowe's not going to be the next one then. Maybe the next one is his little apprentice. Maybe. Who got his ear bitten off. But he's a nobody. He's not going to lead a movie. Unless they just go like, this is the account of his work at this place. Like, we know he eventually just dies of natural causes somewhere, but this is what he did in Africa. This is what he did in South America. Yeah, then like 20 years later, then they've like knocked off 20 of these locations and they, they comes in, there's like still like 150 or something left and this next priest does it. Yeah, I can see that happening. But like, I don't want four of these movies though. No. When they were talking about there being yet yeah, another 199 locations, I was like... Yeah, that was excessive, eh? We've done Europe. Let's do Africa. Let's do South America. Let's do North America. Yeah. Hell, come down to Australia and do one down here. Do a do Tasmania or something. Do we... <laughs> Place has got demons. Somewhere down here to have demons, but Port Kembla, Hill Sixty. What did you think of the whole conspiracy element that they brought into it as well, with the Vatican seemingly knowing about this demonic possession at this location? location previously during the but they were hiding it Spanish Inquisition period um I did not pick that up yeah so they, they talk about that this happened at this location during the Spanish Inquisition and that's why there's those when they go down into the well that's lined by skulls which is already creepy mm-hmm. they go down there and they find like the body of priests and a previous exorcist 
the one that was in the cage, hey, in the middle. And they talk about how they realized that they couldn't exercise this demon because it was too powerful. So the only way they could prevent the demon spreading around the world was to die trapped in this location. Yeah. And they mentioned, yeah, this was the Spanish Inquisition. And it turns out that whilst in our history, the Spanish Inquisition was apparently a religious uh, practice and they were trying to get rid of non-religious people. But Mm. it turns out that this demon did escape and it was all, the Inquisition was actually something created by the devil to get rid of religious people, not non-religious people. Right. I did not hear them mention any of that during the film. (laughs) I thought that was a cool little twist and I thought, okay, yeah, we can explore that more, but it was right at the end when all the action was picking up and I'm like, oh, that's easily going to get lost, which apparently it did. Yeah, right. There you go. (laughs) But yeah, that um, on that, that was a pretty brutal little bunker thing, wasn't it? Like how they were saying the only like the only way for the demon to stay is for the people to try and escape or they're just going to die when they escape yeah basically yeah we we just have to offer ourselves up and die here with this demon and keep it trapped in our dead bodies which they did until they decided to remodel that little underground chamber was a real can of worms wasn't it proper like proper cave thing proper maze underground underneath this house how don't they know about that well, I'm not climbing down a well lined with skulls. How did he get down there? That's a good point. I don't think he had a rope. Because he what? He dropped his little fiery rag down there and it blew up. Hey, how the hell did he get down there? Oh, no, they... um. Did they lower each other down? Nah, they... Remember they went to the... Where the workers got blown up? Oh, yeah, and they went down that way. And they started hitting it. That's right. They started smashing that wall down there. That's it, that's it, that's it. That makes sense. As we close out, what did you think of the final, like... The boss fight, essentially, the exorcism scene in that, that cave. I thought that was epic. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Where we had full body levitations, exploding bodies. Yeah, that was sick. That was epic. We got to see the demon like being sucked into hell. I was like, okay, this is where all the CGI budget went. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they went all out there. That was sick. Yeah, that's like when they um, he has, they both have to kill their, their own demons, mm-hmm. essentially. And they did it together and they end up in that water. Then they become one demon. Then they both have to destroy that demon they also in my opinion left it kind of open to say like is that spanish priest still possessed what do you mean was he yeah some of the looks that they were giving at the end it was like i don't know if he actually exercised his demon i think he might still have it and i think since they basically killed off the whole oh we're just gonna go around the world and clear up clean up all right man well if you think that and i think that the next one may be the apprentice stepping up to the plate filling russell crowe's shoes could be something like that. Maybe they travel the world together and knocked off some locations and someone else comes in for the new one. I, I think they bring Russell back because he's obviously the name name draw card. You have to. And they go to another location on the idea of, okay, we're going to go clean this one now. Mm. And then the, the Spanish priest is like in the background, like helping, but also stuffing shit up to make the demons actually win. And then the... Armort character dies from natural causes. One thing that didn't sit well with me actually, they didn't go check on the family after their little their little tirade down in the cave sorted themselves out. I was like, are they going to go upstairs now and check on like the family? Is this kid now healthy? Nope. We're just back to the Vatican, back to the Pope. Like they just got beat around them three upstairs. Then that was it. Then the boys, yeah, the boys returned back to the church. All praise is healed. 
I didn't even notice it. That ear part's getting me so good. I didn't even notice that. Fully healed. That's great. I was like, okay, he could have at least put some band-aids or something on to show that he... Well, he should have had half a year. He didn't collect it and put it back on, did he? He had a full ear, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the kid ate it. Yeah, right. I need to go back and re-watch that last scene now to see the healed ear. Remember he picked those scratches after the ear and the, there was all them scratches on the wall and he picked off a nail? Off the wall, and it was like, This is her nail, and that her implying the girl he assaulted. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I thought he was gonna peel his ear off the wall, like half his ear. That's what I thought he was doing. Like, Oh, here it is, and he was gonna put it back on. That's what I thought he was doing. Oh, here it is. Put this one on ice, but no, nah, it grew back. That's great. I'm gonna rewatch it now just to see that ending. It's like, Oh, yep, ears fixed. Uh, so in terms of rating, where did you fall for this one out of five? Two and a half ears out of five. That's pretty fair. Seems pretty fair. I gave it three just because I don't do the halves anymore, but it's on the very low end of three. Oh, it's on a low end of a three, eh? Compared to last week's three, which was on the higher end. Yep, yep. Definitely don't go to the movies and watch it. No. It was okay. Just chuck it on on a weekend and whatever. Wait for the streams, me kids. Wait for the streamings. Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Media and at Pario Magazine. And you can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. The commentary booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.